What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Going to keep the intro short and sweet on the rapid fire episodes from now on. If you want to hear a longer introduction to our guest today, you can go to the further discussion episode and hear the introduction as well as a longer discussion between the two of us. But my guest today is the legend, the one and only Bitcoin sign guy. Enjoy. Let's do it. All right, man. Uh, let's do the rapid fire now. You, re- you good to yes. go? Let's go for it. So the first one is, what is money? What is money? Uh, money is a, a type of currency that I think is optimized for use as exchange media. But, you know, its primary characteristic is medium of exchange. And when I say optimal, I mean it, it's, a, it's a decent store of value. And then it's also decently easy to, to price things in it as a unit of account. But uh, the primary characteristic there is an, an exchange media. If you had to explain Bitcoin to your grandmother or somebody over 80, what would you say or what do you say? Well, I did uh, get my grandfather to buy Bitcoin. Nice. Uh, So I would say or what I told him was, you know, Gramps, it's uh, it's digital gold. It's like a, a return to the gold standard. And, you know, he's old enough to remember those days. So that that's actually an easy one. Interesting. You know, and he, if you if you have an 80 year old grandparent, you know, they remember the gold standard. And did, did he kind of accept that something in the digital realm could have similar characteristics to gold? Yeah. Yeah. I, I explained to him how. Uh, how the scarcity characteristics of Bitcoin, I explained, you know, stock to flow to him and he he understood that. Uh, and I, I explained how, uh, you know, it, it really is a, a, com, a synthetic, well, that's George Seldrin's uh, term, synthetic commodity money, that basically it, it's a proxy for, Bitcoin is a currency that's a proxy for energy, which is, you know, call it nature's currency. Yeah. So in that sense, it, I think it was actually quite easy to explain. That's awesome. You know, it's funny that even people like, probably our parents' age, or maybe I heard you say yours is in finance, so maybe a bit different, but so many people in that generation, you know, the the coming off the gold standard or or convertibility was like a non-event. Most people don't even know that that, that happened. You know, it's, it's a weird historical right. thing. Well, it was this, they were weaned off, right? There was a, there was a period, like the Bretton Woods system, the, it was a, a, they slowly dialed down the amount of gold in the dollar until eventually it was just you know for for show. Yeah. So they yeah. so they popped it off. I knew this uh, local media tycoon when I was a kid. Super interesting guy. He he owned a TV, radio, newspaper, magazine sort of conglomerate, and uh, big weirdo, right? Like into UFOs and like going to the Amazon to find like the elongated skulls, like just a, and for me, as like a 10 year old, my, you know, blew my mind every time I got to talk to him or hear him speak. And he, you know, on his late night TV show at like 2 a.m., he'd bring in like, you know, some Swami guru from uh, from India and just like talk with him for five hours, you know, probably, you know, had a big influence on me, to be honest. But one of the things was he he was known for was uh, when that uh, in 1971, 
he sold a bunch of his radio assets and and bought up a bunch of gold because he thought that you know this was a crazy move to completely untether the currency from any sort of you know actual backing and uh it ended up being a very very uh dandy investment for him and uh yeah excellent trade so what is the primary reason why bitcoin is important or interesting to you uh dear well, uh, if, you, if you have a historical imagination, you realize perhaps the nation state is uh, you know, a temporary, or, or not a temporary, uh, it's, it's a, it, it hasn't always existed, right? In, at least in its modern form. So uh, monetary privilege being the greatest thing that props up the nation state, uh, you know, kicking, kicking out that support sort of leads you to a more historically ripe time. So I think that that's, that's my greatest hope about Bitcoin is, you know, things might change radically and hopefully for the better. What do you think happens to the nation state if, if, if governments lose their, you know, control over the, the monetary system? Uh, well, it, it depends on, uh, I guess how much Bitcoin they buy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know, if it was a state that had no Bitcoin, you know, I could see, I could see a sort of the, the patchwork model emerging where states need to be radically smaller, probably, uh, probably stabilizing in size around that of a city state. So, you know, a country like a size, the Singa- size of Singapore or something like that. Mm-hmm. So by many more polities, it, the cost to just move around the world is also so much lower today. So I think that there's the, uh, the likelihood that you'll be able to shop polities uh, according to your political preferences to much greater degree and so that that's benefited when you have more polities to choose from right. originally that was that was the conception of the united states which was that you'd be able to uh move state to state according to you know which one fit your fit your political preferences uh, best but never really transpired with the uh you know ascendancy of the federal government and especially stuff like the Civil War, which just means like, you know, you can never leave. And then uh, Shays Rebellion, that, that was another thing. Washington put down Shays Rebellion and, and uh, basically denied from almost the outset that, you know, there would be a, a real, you know, political, a, a real market for, for uh political systems yeah i think it's possible we're we're just starting to see the you know the uh, that sort of scenario emerge in the jurisdictions that are are being more friendly towards crypto and bitcoin in terms of taxation or or things like that you know singapore uh malta i think portugal recently like they're just starting to maybe realize that changing regulations uh, in that way might actually be a benefit in attracting, you know, people with, uh, yeah, 
people with money. Right. Yeah. And Estonian e-residency is a program right. now. But yeah, uh, shout out to Balaji, by the way. He he brought up Shay's Rebellion the other day on uh, what Bitcoin did and inspired me to look more into that. But yeah, yeah. good podcast, a good recent podcast if anyone hasn't heard it. I'm not too familiar with that. I'll have to check it out. Uh, what yeah, does yeah. the sovereign individual mean to you? Sovereign individual? Uh, well, I think uh, sovereignty is being... Uh, it's taking a line of flight from one form, which was you know, this very nation-bound sovereignty, and now it's virtual-bound sovereignty, where, where you know, if you you don't have, you no longer have sovereignty if a Cretan controls what code you run on your machine, right? Uh, you know, your your private key, your your code. These are these are virtual things, but these are now represent you know very very well i'm reticent to use the word real because that would be an oxymoron but uh they represent very uh credible uh credible threats or uh, opportunities for your for your sovereignty in the world how long after you first heard of bitcoin did you start learning more about it and if you're comfortable saying so accumulating it ha <laughs> Uh, so it's funny. Someone said this the other day that, uh, that question is just a proxy. I, for I know I saw that. <laughs> um, well, I, I'll tell you one thing I had, a, uh, I had the displeasure of meeting with a high school classmate, uh, the other, the other day, the other month. And they told me that I told them about Bitcoin in 2012. Uh, but <laughs> my record of events shows me getting interested in Bitcoin first in 2016. So I'm, I'm unfortunate. I'm, uh, I'm dismayed to report that I had a period of four years amnesia. Uh, <laughs> so that's a, it's a very large regret and perhaps, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's how long it took me to get into Bitcoin. Yeah. Did they uh, take your advice in 2012, and were they coming at you from uh, the window no, of a Lambo? I, I, that would have been that would have been even even more worse. Enough. That would have been even worse. Yeah. Uh, what was what has been your most effective method of educating people about Bitcoin in conversation or more formally? Oh, man. I mean, I'll I'll say I just always show Bitcoin to a to Uber drivers, just so I, like every, practically not everyone, but you know every other one, just to just to refine my pitch. But uh, sadly, I have to say, you know, education is both the, it's the biggest bottleneck. Well, it is the biggest bottleneck for Bitcoin adoption, right? It, it's just hard to get an understanding of Bitcoin into everyone's minds. It takes at least at least 10 hours and that's that's modest like 10 hours of if you were just had them in a classroom setting it would take 10 hours to just drill all the aspects of bitcoin into their head right uh but you know libertarians if, if i would call myself a libertarian you know they're never education is never their strong suit it's like 
oh, if, if you would just realize, you know, how uh, that taxation is theft, if you here look at this uh, axiomatic proof of it, uh, you know, nobody has time to be educated on, uh, you know, like a monetary system uh, today. So the way that people learn about the way that we get past the Bitcoin bottleneck is right now we're in a, a, a period where we can appeal to greed. So, oh, buy it because number will go up in the future. Uh, but then, you know, the real the real strategy of Bitcoin is uh, is that it's post-political. It's beyond the political process. It doesn't need to be debated. We don't need to win hearts and minds at all. In fact, you know, it is, uh, you know, pure thermodynamics. It is real politics. If uh, if there are miners there to uh, to keep the, the blockchain growing, uh, you know, Bitcoin is not. Uh, it doesn't have to sell itself to anyone through, you know, education. It's uh, it enforces itself, uh, you know, literally by force. And uh, then in the far future, you know, people don't people just use Bitcoin. They don't even consider once how it works. It's just like most people don't consider, oh, what's the SWIFT system? How did my dollar uh, get from here to, you know, uh, my friend's bank? from like my bank account to my friend's bank account. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I could speak more, uh, speak more enthusiastically about evangelism uh, because, you know, ironically people would probably consider me like a, a large Bitcoin evangelist, a Bitcoin evangelist. And in, and in some cases, you know, I, I am, but you know, it's really just the people that are, interested in Bitcoin that like find Bitcoin. Yeah. So yeah. in terms of bringing it back to like, what's a concrete way to teach, like if you are an interested Bitcoiner, you know, just make, make content, uh, you know, make, you know, do a podcast or, or a, or a newsletter, do, do content for people that are already self interested in it. Uh, cause if you just go to a, the average person on the street and shake them and say, oh, like and you say, like, look, uh, magic Internet money, you've got to get on board. You know, they're probably going to roll their eyes and walk away. So, you know, make help build Bitcoin's cash of of resources for someone who's already sort of found it on their own, if that makes sense, because yeah. that's yeah. that's the. That's the influx of people into Bitcoin, I think. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting thing too, right? Because now so many people are like wondering what this thing is, so that there, you know, there's a lot of people like you know, podcasts, people that write articles that are commenting on that. But you know, there's there's probably way fewer podcasts and articles now that just discuss what the internet is, you know? So this is just a, a moment in time where people are asking these questions and I'm sure it will morph and change as we go along where, you know, people will stop asking what this is because it'll just be operating so, so yes. you know, frictionlessly in the background and it'll change, you know, the nature of what the education should be, if, if any, it might just, you know, it might just work and people get it. And, right exactly it will it will have to it will be beyond you know the 
the point of education. Yeah, you, that that's entirely correct. I think the thing I stress is is just that I think I think it's bad to like get up in people's grill and like you know come off like a crazy person and say they need to get into this. But I think everybody should be uh, should be comfortable showing their enthusiasm. Like it's okay to be enthusiastic about something. And I think you know. I think the more people that are doing that, you know, people take notice of enthusiasm. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's like the enthusiasm that I have when I tell an Uber driver about it. Right. Uh, all, all I mean is that, like, that that is not the that is not the frontier of bitcoins uh, of maker breaking Bitcoin. Yeah. Of making yeah. breaking Bitcoin. What movie or song is most related to Bitcoin in your opinion? And an add-on is, what's your favorite movie clip or rant of all time? My favorite movie clip or rant. Uh, let's see. Well, I uh, this isn't like my favorite or or anything, but um, there is a. Nick Land recently went on a podcast with Maggie Siebert on of Twitter and uh, recommended this movie uh, in the mouth of madness, which is a, a, a Lovecraftian uh, or an adaption of a, of a Lovecraft story. And so if you're unfamiliar with uh, HP Lovecraft, uh, he was a, a writer from the, the 20th century and his his genre is known as uh, cosmic horror or abstract horror. And so, what what that means is, you know, there were usually these extremely fanciful monsters that were, you know, so grotesque and horrific that usually they would be, you know, concealed from from the reader's or viewer's point of view, right? But they are they are. They they come from they come from beyond, and so uh, there's a there's a scene that Nick talks about uh, where you know there's this town and there's this church where this the the protagonist sort of naively goes into this church following his investigation and suddenly. Uh, these these dark forces start compressing the church uh you know on all sides and you know the doors are bulging and tentacles are you know whipping uh at like trying to get from the outside to the inside and essentially this is the metaphor for you know how bitcoin explodes upon to the earth it's like a, it comes from the outside and uh it it exists outside the official, like official conversation, uh, official narratives of policy, of uh, you know academic research, uh, and it, you know it's just like just like my sign. You know, Bitcoin is not meant to be in the room, right? Uh, it has it literally flies over the shoulders of the central bankers uh, like that. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's it's it suddenly just you know bursts upon the scene. It it doesn't actually. It was never like this considered. Well, should we uh, should we transition to a cryptocurrency type system? Uh, should we use Bitcoin? Like this conversation 
was not being had, but uh, you know, Bitcoin happened to the world. So just, I guess, remember this when you're thinking about you know your praxis as it relates to Bitcoin. You know, you're sort of riding this, uh, this faceless force, uh, and you're basically stampeding into uh, you know the established worldview, the settled the settled uh, political uh, systems and economics of, you know, uh, monetary, like what, what, what money should be. And so use this to your advantage wherever possible, uh, you know. And right now, this is just like Bitcoin is so far beyond the grasp of these people. They're so, they, they try to, they try to bring the outside into the inside and, uh, you know, make Bitcoin part of this like quaint part of their worldview. And this is uh, this is best exemplified by the articles. Oh, yeah, Bitcoin will obviously die because of this. Like, oh, uh, you know, Bitcoin will obviously die because it will uh, it will be killed by government. Government will ban it. Well, you know, it's been it's been probably eight years and uh, since the first one of those articles was written, and there's probably been at least a thousand of them, and they're all they're all wrong for the same reason, which is uh, you know they they tried to incorporate you know massage Bitcoin into their current worldview when fundamentally what Bitcoin represents is an expansion of you know the realm of uh, the realm of the possible. Nice. Can Bitcoin be stopped? If so, what is Bitcoin's biggest vulnerability? If not, why not? Uh, so, yeah, I would just refer back to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, the black market, uh, the black market uh, spend fee spends should be greater than the central banks, uh, you know, or the, the foregone tax revenue otherwise considered to be, you know, the government's propensity to... Uh, to kill it so you know they could just spend a lot of money on mining hardware of course you know you get into higher level uh game theoretics about you know well would they right would they not uh, once they had had undergone this uh this investment would it not change their uh would it not change their you know mental equation for you know what they should do but uh I mean, it's it's a very basic way to just kill Bitcoin, right? Just continuously stymie the the production of, of blocks according to the, the consensus rules. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think Bitcoin dies another way. So it is interesting that, you know, I, I I'm looking forward to digging more into that argument because it, perhaps it's not just as simple as like, well, does the government take in more in taxes than it would cause uh, cost to uh, inhibit, you know, or interrupt the, the system in, in some way, Bitcoin in some way, because, you know, maybe the government can only afford to take 10% of tax revenue. And if they take any more than that, then they find other systems and structures in which, you know, they, they have to support fall apart as well, right? So it's not just like the total amount of tax revenue versus the total amount of, you know, uh, fees or, 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 you know, money that miners generate or whatever the, the metric on the Bitcoin side is. It's like, 
you know, may, maybe there's limiting factors on how much as a percentage of the government's revenue they would be able to devote to such an enterprise. And if they cross a certain amount, then maybe they find, you know, they've shot themselves in the foot in another area, you know? Right, right. I, I guess what we mean is that th we need to look at the state as though they, and this is Eric Voss, this is all Eric Voss, we'll look at the state as though they are rational because, you know, the deep state is real. Uh, and governments are probably smarter than they seem. So they, they yeah. would be looking at this. For sure. What was your most recent aha or level up in your understanding of Bitcoin? Uh, most recent aha. I mean, the, the sort of the understanding that, you know, just every time I, uh, say, look into the technical aspects of Bitcoin, you know, it's like, oh, this it makes sense that, uh, you know, Bitcoin, it, it, you justify all of the conservatism that went into Bitcoin's design, and it, it makes sense. So Lightning, for example, I would say would be a good aha moment. It's like, yeah, this this is the correct way to, uh, you know, structure, to structure the, uh, to structure the way that Bitcoin uh, works. And so I, I would say that aha moment was like through SegWit, like naively entering Bitcoin economics, you know, you think like, oh, just like make the blocks bigger, right? Whatever. Uh, but I don't know, finding out stuff like that, it usually, it usually makes sense. The, the core devs seem by all indications are extremely thoughtful. And, uh, you know, you can always have aha moments listening you, to them. What do you think will be Bitcoin's biggest impact on society? We touched on this a little bit in the, the previous section. Yeah. yeah, so just the absolute detour territorialization it brings to everything it touches, that uh, it obliterates, uh, like, the monetary priority prerogative of nations. And so that, to the extent that that is put toward, uh, you know, binding forces on nations like uh, you know uniting them under one social system you know if that evaporates you know where does where does the nation re-territorialize what what is the what becomes the the cultural and political production of a bitcoinized world what when if ever do you think the first central bank will start adding bitcoin to the reserves and will they exist in 20 years uh, probably already happened. <laughs> uh, well, and if a central bank will exist in 20 years, yeah, it would be a function of that. Like, did they buy Bitcoin? Uh, did they, did they hyperinflate their currency? Uh, but you know, central banks exist for the, for the betterment or betterment, but like the, for the survival of, of the state. So to, to say they're, only about I think six or seven or eight nations in the world don't have central banks. The the largest one being Monaco, and so uh, you know Monaco doesn't have have a central bank now because you know they're not really interested in collecting tax revenue because it's like a the whole country is basically just a casino. Uh, so it seems like every every nation that has a central bank is interested in 
uh, you know, financing itself that way. So will, will nations figure out an alternative way to, to finance themselves? Who knows? Will they, uh, will they be able to tax Bitcoin? Will there be a nation in 20 years? It's sort of intractable question there. Biggest mistake you've made with Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, the four years of amnesia. <laughs> How do you feel about Satoshi Nakamoto, Bitcoin's creator, being anonymous and the coins that he likely controls? Uh, well, I think Satoshi was pretty sly. Uh, I think that there's a chance maybe he was mining other coins. <laughs> uh, not Well, this would probably tr come through in some chain analysis, but I'd be willing to bet that Satoshi, after after the last day, after the last uh, the final block that we consider to be to contain coins mined by Satoshi, I bet that he purchased a bunch from another person because you know obviously he would. Uh, if he like most of all believed in this system, mm -hmm. uh, so I I do think it's sort of romantic that uh, you know we have this knife dangling by a thread over our heads that, you know, at, at any point, you know, if, if Craig were Satoshi and he, you know, just market sold all the coins, it would, you know, it would blast the market to bits instantly. I think that that would be hilarious. And then I think it's funny that we have that, uh, sort of, uh, destructive possibility lurking, but I, I'm pretty confident that, they're probably not going to move, um, but I, I think it's nice that we haven't like confiscated them from Satoshi. That would be, I think, supremely ungrateful. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what have you learned about yourself, or how have you changed, if at all, as a result of learning about or interacting with Bitcoin? Uh, just technological <clears throat> humor, I would say. Uh, you know, you not. I wasn't even the biggest science fiction buff growing up but you know everyone has their very self-assured worldview on like oh this is how technology works this is where it's all going and uh you know when you you just realize how many when you realize how many domains bitcoin draws upon you know cryptography distributed uh distributed systems uh you know economics you know monetary economics whatever whatever it goes so far uh and you realize you'll never be able to corner the knowledge about it all it just sort of reminds you of the the singularity the, the catalactic singularity that you know bitcoin happens because so many people in different parts of the world had specialized knowledge about certain things and it would probably be it would be beyond the the depth of one person to, to synthesize it all. So I guess uh, be humble, <laughs> but, but don't let it deter you obviously from, you know, you know, being a, uh, an agent. Right now, I think I may change or remove this question in the future, but because it's, will you ever sell the bulk of your Bitcoin, assuming you have any at all? I, I know there's been a lot of boating accidents uh, recently. Well, I'll, I'll say I have, I have some Bitcoin. <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would absolutely sell. Uh, like I know people, 
like uh, like Matt Odell would never sell, right? Because he'd be like, oh, Bitcoin's going to pump forever. Uh, I'm never selling, whatever. But, you know, I think that there's a very obvious equation for, to, to, to indicate like when you should sell at least, I don't know, uh, or when you should rebalance. It's not... It's not whether you should sell a certain percentage of your Bitcoin. It's what when you should uh, order Bitcoin as a certain per percentage of your your total net worth. Right. And so maybe I would leave you know a third of my net worth is Bitcoin, but you know I would say fair value for Bitcoin is equal. Like Matt Miz, Matt Majinkis of Crypto Voices gave a good talk on this at Baltic Honey Badger. You know when when base money when Bitcoin uh, is equal in like real terms to the amount of uh, base money there is, say, today, like uh, the moment pre-Bitcoin, you know, divide that number by however many saleable coins you think there are, uh, maybe like 18 million, and then uh, maybe perhaps discount that further by if you think there would be a Pareto distribution that uh, for like other other currencies in the world, so like the 80-20 rule and trails off, so maybe Bitcoin would be only like 80% of the world's money. Who knows? Uh, so that gives you a, a pretty concrete price at you know when you should sell um, when you think that Bitcoin has reached its uh, you know long-term stable value, and then it just you know it is money. You know, then absolutely, you should invest in a uh, you know more productive assets. Bitcoin doesn't really produce anything; it's it's just uh, meant to be uh, a medium of exchange primarily. Like it, it stores value well now, and you can speculate on it. But you know, ultimately, you know, I'd rather probably have a a company that has cash flow than just like a a Bitcoin that's sitting there. Right. Have you ever purchased other coins? If so, are you likely to do so again in the future? Uh, well, I must admit, I won't lie. I did once buy a, a shit coin, but then I, I, I soon after sold it. I, I bought it for the reason that I thought that, you know, the Pareto distribution would, uh, would be the case. And in, in some cases, you know, I, I still do believe that there will be a Pareto distribution, but in the meantime, you know, Bitcoin is the most obvious investment case. So don't don't try to bet. I would the, the bet that I would not make now is like betting on what is the number two currency in the world, like dollar, gold, probably not Ethereum. But, you know, you know, what I mean. like there will, there will probably be even post hyper Bitcoinization, there will probably be another currency in the world, but it wouldn't have. It wouldn't really be as good of an investment as Bitcoin. What is your most controversial or contrarian view or opinion, if none on Bitcoin, any subject is okay? Uh, I, have a, I guess I have a few. One, one is what I was just saying, was, which is that, and not to go back to the, to the Eric Voskiel well here, he talked about how, uh, you know, at some point the... The cost of a Bitcoin transaction will probably 
exceed the the prioritization for someone on the the security of their Bitcoin transaction. So there will be transactions for which Bitcoin security is simply uh, too expensive, or you know you could put it in other terms, it would be a luxury. You know if you are still in the developing world in 20 years, because you know there will still be some areas of the world that are impoverished in 20 years, and you know Bitcoin will still Bitcoin will be expensive, may be expensive to transact, even if you bundle you know hundreds of thousands of transactions into say a single Lightning channel open and close. There's still a fee rate where uh, you know Bitcoin's security is more expensive than it's actually worth to you. Uh, to like knowing that you know you had the the strongest final settlement guarantees, so that that will be uh, you know the number two of the Pareto distribution. Like I think people will use that will use that currency. Um, the another controversial like I think. Uh, you could say we wouldn't need Bitcoin if everyone had a, if everyone bought a stack of paper bags. And what I mean by that is uh, there's this thing called the bagging rule, uh, where you know in days gone by, now banks you know break into your security deposit boxes. But basically, you used to be able to give your money over to a bank in a in a bag or you know a chest. And preferably like a sealed bag or a, a locked chest, uh, and they would not be able to legally open it up and lend on a fractional reserve basis. You know what you would give in them in the bag. They were basically just a, a physical custodian of your money. Uh, and so, what I mean by this is that if we had you know, a more sound banking system, uh, you know we probably wouldn't need Bitcoin. Safedine talked about this the other day. It's like, oh yeah, the way you kill Bitcoin is just reform the way the banking system works, right? You uh, you make it so that, you know, you don't need to, uh, you know, transition to Bitcoin. Because if you took away, you know, the uh, that that aspect of it, you know, would everyone be clamoring to get into Bitcoin? I, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I've, I've heard him make that argument. And I get what he's saying, but I, I also think unless the solution proposed by the you know by the government is bitcoin then i still think there's going to be a lot of people that want the solution that is bitcoin because yeah i mean look even with the gold standard right it checks and balances on the amount of money that could be created and deployed and all that kind of stuff but you still have third party liability issues you still have the fact that the government still you know hold all the gold and get to administer the policy around it i mean and, and Maybe Absolutely. it maybe it would have been a, a less seeming like a less urgent problem that needs to be solved. But I still think with with the, when the technology became available, people like your Satoshi's of the world would have been like, "This can be better, and we should make it better, and we should want it sure. to be better." Sure. Well, I guess the question is, you know, can could a gold world, could a gold backed world be? Could we reform into that, or uh, you know, would? Would the reduction in incentive, uh, if we had true monetary reform, it you know, it it could still leave us over the critical point for achieving you know, 
uh, you know, that, that critical mass of people to be in favor of Bitcoin, that they would, uh, you know, go through the whole rigmarole of uh, bootstrapping Bitcoin, even just for, you know, a marginal improvement in monetary policy. Uh, so it's not that I think that Bitcoin isn't at risk of being killed that way, but I think that, you know, you could envision a world where maybe uh, if the current monetary system were better, the incentive to transition into Bitcoin wouldn't be so great. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. my last uh, controversial opinion is that, you know, Bitcoin isn't, and this goes to, you know, my current project with the operating system. You know, Bitcoin is not a panacea. Uh, if we need a complementary uh, computer to go with our digital money. So if we if we can't move past the cloud web, we will be, I don't know, at risk for backsliding on on many of the the gains of Bitcoin. Yeah. It also also will be at risk of uh, you know the government being able to confiscate large swaths of Bitcoin. I mean, I would urge your 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 I would urge your uh, listeners to go look up, you know, civil asset forfeiture, uh, that type of thing. There's, there's been more, uh, the popular, uh, the fun stat to cite is that there's been more dollars confiscated through civil asset forfeiture in the last uh, five years than something like the amount of actual, than the dollar value of all things that have been stolen. So and like, what, if, what, what's the definition of civil asset forfeiture? Civil asset forfeiture, and this is off the top of my head, so I please don't uh, maybe maybe post a link or you know look it up afterwards. Uh, but it's basically that if the government believes that your and any asset has been uh, involved in the commission of a crime, they can seize that asset. And what this turns into, in effect, is that there's an extremely broad definition for you know what is involved in a crime so you know uh, a drug dealer uh, gets nailed for drugs and you know the government takes their parents house because they like lived there once that that it's it's that type of thing uh, where the government can basically take whatever they want uh, not to you know be not to sound like such a blue in the face libertarian but you know it is a it is a situation that if applied to, you know, the, uh, let's just talk about America, the American domiciled repositories of Bitcoin, like American exchanges, Coinbase, uh, Cash App, uh, even even the collaborative custody people like, uh, I don't know, Casa, uh, Unchained Capital, what, whatever, all these places could be leaned on by the government in, in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, so people really need to, uh, and this, this, I shouldn't have mentioned CASA and Unchained Capital because it's really, they're not pure cloud web uh, and they're like multi-signature. So I guess it, that invalidates that. But uh, if we all have our money on Coinbase, you know, like I said, it's a, only a couple rules that the government needs to pass to prevent people from pulling their coins out, you know, 
Uh, and so that, I would say, would be a disaster. The government would, would get that Bitcoin. Uh, they could use it to Bitcoiners' disadvantage or, you know, it otherwise empowers an enemy. So if we don't cult, if we, and this gets back to, if we're still using the cloud web, if we're still on their plantation, if you're still a digital surf, uh, you know, like, yeah, Bitcoin will give you some nice gains on paper, but it's not your money. So, uh, you know, beware. And for the people that are building out there, you know, be motivated to make the user experience for peer to peer computing applications better so that people aren't faced with, uh, you know, the the sort of uh, the, the sorry mental calculus of like, oh, well, you know, it's so much easier to just let Coinbase hold on to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Ballpark estimate of Bitcoin's price in five years. Uh, I'd say that's a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess it depends on, you know, with the incoming reception, what, what will the story on Bitcoin be? You know, is it risk on, is it risk off? You know, we have some, we have a growing, uh, you know, stable of well-seasoned macro investors, global macro investors that, that see it as a recession hedge. So that could be important, but. Uh, I mean, I think I, I could see it being over a million dollars in five years, but I could also see it not gaining that, uh, not gaining that reputation as a, as a risk off asset and, you know, still being in the same place or lower. So <laughs> there's a lot coming in the next <laughs> Years, yeah, between sure. between sub ten and a mil, somewhere in there. Yeah, I I would say the the government will absolutely be furiously desperate, uh, because you know interest rates are already pretty much as as low as they can go before negative, and they've they have not unwound their massive balance sheet. They're, it's like they're not they're not starting from a clean slate on both of their policy levers so you know this uh this some bitcoiners see this and say okay yeah well you know that's jet fuel obviously for bitcoin uh rocket moon juice rocket fuel it's uh the most bullish set of statistics but yeah but also think of the government as a cornered beast uh you know they they now almost have nothing to lose they're they're out of ammunition and so uh their their response could be just uh i don't know go berserk and uh you know do something truly beyond the pale so not sure do you have a morning routine if so what is it i uh <laughs> i shower with dr bronner's <laughs> stuff is great I used to on peppermint, and now I now I do eucalyptus. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah, and I and I also I also completed the the full rainbow of. I got all the flavors now. Do you use the shower gel or the or the bar? I use the 
Well, it's just the liquid, you know, hemp castile soap. In the bottle. In the bottle, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I use it for shampoo. Uh, I use it to shave. I use it it for everything. It's great. Do you ever pick up the bottle while you're in the shower and just reread all the tiny script that's on there? Yeah, that that shit is great, man. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It, It feels like a feels uh, human like it's not put out by some megacorp yeah i used used to have to go to hong kong not go to hong kong for it but i used to went in hong kong living in shanghai i'd I'd go to hong kong pick up like three four bottles of that stuff and bring it back with me it's it's classic yeah How how do you define success uh i don't know in the christian terms i suppose uh to to like live and love God and to uh, you know probably have uh, you know a to be in accordance with conceptions of Christian virtue I suppose I, I guess a recent sermon that I heard at church was like to let uh, to be a what's the word oh yeah it was, they were talking about the definition of affluence right. And affluent, the the root of it is a uh, like flow, like the Greek word for flow, affluare or something like that. It basically means to like let let blessings flow through you, uh, and not to be you know the end repository for them. And that you know you're you're much happier if you can pass things on. So That's just nice. remember, you you can't take your you can't take your Bitcoin uh, with you to the grave. So, you know, do do good things with it now while you uh, while you can. I like that. Where or who is your go-to place to learn more about Bitcoin? Uh, hmm. I mean the the podcasts are great. Uh, the podcasts are great. I mean, so many so many good uh, so many good repositories. But more so, I've been looking toward. Like once you understand Bitcoin, like the podcasts offer you less, right? Because you sort of you get it. You you get like okay, yeah, rah rah Bitcoin. I love it. I love it, and I I, I still listen to, I still listen to all those podcasts just to you know jazz myself up like for the hit of dopamine. Like nothing gets me fired up like a rabbit hole recap with Marty and Matt, or you know uh, noted or like pomp like all, all all those podcasts are great crypto voices they're all stefan lavera they're all excellent what bitcoin did i the shout outs could go on forever so <laughs> i'll stop there but uh i would say that they you'll you'll understand that dimension of bitcoin with you know you can you can fully saturate on that so i think you should look beyond to i don't know some some type of philosophy like you you choose what you think is important uh you pick where bitcoin fits into your uh praxis and read that philosophy um like i think bitcoin and money is like uh our our world is modernity itself is sort of uh, overcome with a an overabundance of images. We're just drowning in, you know, text and images from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. And so, 
I don't know, understand Bitcoin in the terms of images, in the terms of semiotics. You could read, you could read theory on that. You could read, uh, I don't know, Austrian econ. You could read, uh, like, just literary theory. Whatever you want, you know. I'm just like relate Bitcoin to something beyond Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is, uh, it won't be an end. It it has to be a means. Right. So. Uh, so find something else to do with Bitcoin that you can use Bitcoin to transact in the world. Uh, don't 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 think of uh, you know getting uh, like hitting the moon and retiring to uh, to the beach should be the end. Like for many for many it would be, but no. Uh, you you can do even more. Like there's there's. Bitcoin is the realization that there's, you know, a horizon of possibility. It's not that uh, Bitcoin tells you that the horizon is not closed, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't, that you don't live, uh, you know, inside a zoo. That that you are in, indeed in the wild, and uh, you know there is, I don't know, a, a, a frontier that that can yet be pursued. Nice. Last two, what is the one most important action that someone can take today to up their game in an area that you think is important or, or of your expertise? Hey, sorry, I think you cut out there, but was the question, what action can someone take? Yeah, to up their game in a way that you think is important or in your area of expertise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, just generally, uh, just build something. Uh, don't be a passive consumer uh you know like yes you can be a passive consumer and change you know you can change your life just on the consumptive end like oh uh now i save more now i you know stack sats i uh and i like reordered i got i got my life in order but like beyond that like change your life uh i don't know more radically build build something that perhaps uses bitcoin and you'll find that it it uh, enhances your appreciation for just how just like the the richness of the bitcoin opportunity like uh th- there's so many smart people that are that are in this space that i don't know are available and it's i would say been truly joyful to to try building companies and getting to know some of these people you know working on a on a concrete project together yeah. So get involved. Yeah. What is w- one question you'd like to see added to this list, if any? Oh, oh. Have you read Moby Dick? Okay. Good. All right. So <laughs> this is the last part. This is the the word association. So I'll say a word. You tell me the first thing that pops into your head, and uh, that's it. So first one is Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, sly, but also. Sly, but possibly uh, beneficent. Government. It it exists. Hash rate. Uh, nature's currency. The individual. A project. Security. Gun. Ego. Death. Greed. 
Tool. Stacking Sats. Matt O'Dell. <laughs> Fiat Currency. Uh, money with no use value. Guns. Uh, a type of security. Memes. Language. Altcoins. Fiat money. Pizza. The hardest part about being keto. Agree with you there. Socialism. Mm. Nice idea. <laughs> if uh, <laughs> nice idea under alternative circumstances. Family. Uh, priority. Trump. Indicator. Future. Neo-China arrival. Libra. A wink. Gold. Commodity money. And Bitcoin. Synthetic commodity money. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, man, we, uh, I, think, I think we went a little bit over the allotted time, so I appreciate you uh, sticking with it and, and having this conversation with me. Um, is there any... You know, where you want to direct people for any of your projects, or do you want to just keep it uh, totally anon for the moment? If you want to find me on Twitter, you can, you can probably find me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you, if you desperately need to get in touch and you, and you can't find me on Twitter, uh, uh, get in touch, uh, get in touch through your, your gracious host, and hopefully he'll, uh, he'll pass along your message. And should we be expecting any further memes in the future, or have you hung up your... Uh, your cape. Oh yeah. Or you no, have you hung yeah. up the notepad and, and we oh, won't be well, seeing any more be, from you. No, there will definitely be more hilarious projects. Uh, I, I can guarantee it, but maybe, maybe not photo bombs. Right. We'll, we'll let that one stand. Well, we'll all anxiously await whatever that, uh, that is in the future. But man, thanks again. I, I really appreciate it. I know it's, uh, it's late there, so I'll let you get back home and uh, get some rest. But uh, keep doing what you're doing. Look forward to, to seeing the uh, fruition of some of the projects you're working on in the future. And hopefully we'll, we'll have a chance to talk again face-to-face uh, -face sometime. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. All right, brother. Take care. Adios.